Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, June 13th, 2017. Tide is right, the winds are fair, time to get the Aletheia back out to sea, at least for a couple of weeks before we head down to Australia for a Spec Ops mission. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down. Stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. And we take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolates, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complexes, those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying and whose small group curricula we need to be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, it's weird how that works out, but uh, that's one of the major consistent things that we are seeing more and more and more of. Yeah, and that's the idea is that uh, that people aren't teaching what God's Word says. They're just scratching itching ears and telling people what they want to hear. Now, in our postmodern society, here's a concept that I want you to think about that I hope to get back to and kind of drum into people's heads on a more regular basis, and that is, is that um, idolatry has changed in our world. Now, I'm getting this uh, this concept, by the way, from Aaron Wolf uh, of Chronicle Magazine, and uh, he was one of the speakers at the uh, Issues Etc. Making the Case conference, and he was making the case for natural law. And his his lecture was amazing, absolutely amazing. But he made a point there that I thought was worth passing on. And by the way, when that conference audio becomes available from the folks over at Issues Etc., it'll be well worth you know whatever it is that they're asking for those uh, lectures because you know the, the, some of them are just knock it out of the park amazing. And I'm not even talking about my own. I'm talking about the ones that I heard. And uh, and so Aaron Wolf's in particular is a, a vital vital. Uh, lecture to listen to, and so I strongly recommend it. But he made the point that in in 
centuries past, idolatry was quite recognizable because people made, you know, you can see the objects of their worship. And so the God, the the deity they worshiped was outside of themselves, although oftentimes when it comes to idolatry, it's a deity that is the, well, in fact, all idolatry is this. It is a deity that is one's own making. But the 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 world we live in now has cut out the uh, the middleman when it comes to idolatry. And the point that he made is by cutting out the middleman, we see in our postmodern culture that idolatry is uh, it's one of these things where people are literally worshiping themselves, their thoughts, their feelings. They're not, you know, it's the object of their worship isn't even a, a deity outside of them. It's a de- it's the deity within them, and so you see this in the broader. Uh, in the broader culture as post-modernity has taken hold and is what's at the root of uh, what people have lovingly come to refer to as special snowflakes, those people who absolutely freak out uh, in the name of tolerance and are so intolerant. Yeah, Um, these are people who literally believe that you are bullying and harassing them when you point out that there's an actual standard that we're all accountable to, that there's a deity that we're accountable to. The only deity they are accountable to in their own minds is themselves. This is why, you know, when you hear the phrase, I self-identify as this, that, or the other thing, that's kind of shorthand language for this concept of, I am my own deity, and I make my own rules, and I identify myself as anything I want to identify myself as. Uh-huh. That's So literally, we have on the planet now a bunch of idolaters who are the worshipers of themselves, their own thoughts, their own feelings, and they have become, uh, you know, for themselves, the, the arbiters of their truth, and to contradict him and say, oh, contraire, you are a creature. You, you did not make yourself. You did not call yourself into existence. You are a creature created by a deity, and that deity has put demands upon you and has identified you as either male or female. If you're confused, check your birth certificate. And you, know, you kind of get the idea here. And so we, we, are, we are literally seeing within the church this self-idolatry. Um, and this is at the heart of, of narcissism and things like that. But as a result of it, what God has commanded to be occurring and taking place and being preached and taught in his church, it ain't my church. Nope, it's his church. We are all Christ's blood-bought sheep. And in his church, he has commanded that all the things that he has commanded are to be taught. Not my ideas, not my opinions. And uh, Christianity is the faith once delivered to the saints. But uh, everyone seems to think that, uh, well, we live in postmodern times, and in the name of the fruit of the Spirit and the moving of the winds of change and new wineskins and nonsense like this, that uh, somehow we can do whatever we want. And boy, is that a mistake. 
So yeah, that's kind of sets the sets the framework here. So just a little bit of a you know. So that's something to consider in, in the days ahead, and uh, and just by way of a little bit of house cleaning here. My apologies for not being able to get to the uh, the pirate cave to actually record an episode yesterday. I w- w- literally was just dog exhausted yesterday. Um, you know, so you know, Thursday, uh, my wife and I made made it halfway to Illinois, and then on Friday, made it the rest of the way. Literally uh, arrived in Illinois just in time to check in and then head over to the issues, et cetera, making the case conference, and uh, and spent the evening there. Then Saturday morning, I had uh, I literally kicked off the conference later in the afternoon. Uh, I was part of a panel discussion, and uh, you know, great speakers, great topics, good lectures. Um, when you have an opportunity to get a hold of them, avail yourself of that opportunity. These were these were really good lectures, and um, and then fr- Friday, not Friday, Sunday, Sunday, literally crack of dawn, and straight from Collinsville, Illinois, to Grand Forks, North Dakota, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like nine hundred miles. I was explaining to my wife that I think it's illegal for uh, cross-country truckers to actually log as many miles as we put in that day. And uh, I did literally all of the driving. Um, so my wife, she's capable of driving, but every time she takes the wheel, it turns into a harrowing experience. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, so yesterday, I mean, seriously, I mean, I, I you know, got up, and the first thing I wanted to do after I got up was go right back to bed. So I had to kind of invoke a, a personal day for recovery, if you would, and and got into uh, got some time into the studio to begin to lay out what I want to do for the for the next two weeks. And uh, and it's just strange to think that uh, two weeks from yesterday, uh, we're on our way to Australia. For the uh, Pirate Christian Radio Conference in Australia on June 30th and July 1st, and uh, in fact, you know, we're going to spend a few more days in Australia uh, visiting some friends and uh, and you know people that we know and uh, trying to have a little bit of downtime, which is something I don't really get a lot of, and uh, and so you know, we got all of that we're, we're planning on, and just a by way of reminder, we still have uh, uh, openings available for. The Australia Conference, um, the uh, the Grand Forks uh, Oslo, Minnesota Conference is starting to fill up, and uh, if you want to attend uh, the second week weekend of August, you need to uh, register, and you need to register soon uh, is the best way I can put it. But anyway, all right. All of that being said, let's talk about what it is that we are going to do on today's edition of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to begin with an extended Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. And uh, we're going to check in with Jennifer LeClaire for the uh, for the word of the Lord for for June. we we got to get the Monday word. I know it's Tuesday. The Monday word from Ryan Lestrange. And, of course, we'll... We'll uh, get in another installment of Stranger Tweets. Uh, then we're going to head down to Glory City Church down there in uh, Queensland, Australia, as we listen to Lana Vazer, Lana Vazer giving the sermon uh, this past Sunday night. And um, 
You will we'll note what is missing. Something is missing. Something is terribly missing from uh, her uh, so-called sermon. Uh, to round out our number one, we will uh, be hearing from David Crank and the sermon that he delivered on June 5th. Uh, well, and I don't think that was the actual date. It may have been. I'll, I'll have to check. But um, the, the name of it is What to Do When You're Under Attack. But, I mean, it's just a bizarre bizarre sermon. Then in hour number two, let me check my program sheet. We're heading down to C3 Church, San Diego's. We listen to um, a chiropractor, a chiropractor um, whose name is Matt Hubbard, delivered uh, a sermon delivered titled Casting God's Vision. Yeah, so apparently um, chiropractors are now qualified to be pastors and deliver sermons. And to uh, teach us a non-biblical doctrine called vision casting. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We got a lot of ground we need to cover. And uh, since we're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update, let's do this. Oh, hallelujah. That's right. That's Robert Tilton and Hubaba Kanda. So we are going to head over to the YouTube channel of uh, self-proclaimed prophetess Jennifer LeClaire, the uh, senior editor of Charisma Magazine, as uh, she is uh, she has released the word of the Lord for the month of June of 2017. Now, I, you know, again, my apologies. You know, clearly I was out of studio last week and, uh, you know, we weren't able to get this out in a timely manner. I, I, I know some of you, you know, you, you can't even begin to plan your month until you hear what the word of the Lord is for the month. And again, my apologies. I, we try to get these things out in a way where you can, you know, do something with it apparently, but uh, here's Jennifer LeClaire to uh, announce the word of the Lord for June of 2017. Here we go. All right. Trying this again. Jennifer LeClaire live from South Florida, senior editor of Charisma Magazine, senior leader at the Awakening House of Prayer, awakeninghouseofprayer.com. We're going to get this word out, come hell or high water. Sometimes you uh, Apparently she was having some trouble getting the word of the Lord for June out. I mean... And, that can only mean one thing, everybody. I mean, clearly the devil did not want anybody to know what the word of the Lord for June was, which is why he call, caused all kinds of problems in their equipment and, and, and was working against the release of this vital and, well, vital and important prophetic word for June. 
have to laugh at the enemy when you know that you are authorized. Now that's the word of the Lord for June. It is authorized 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 we've just come out of the month of mega now i don't believe that the month of mega ends i believe these prophecies that we've been pouring into uh, unpacked so may was the month of mega june is the month of um authorized okay now before uh before we uh, left last week over at the Museum of Idolatry, I actually compiled a, uh, a well, a set of videos all claiming to be the prophetic word of the Lord for June. Uh, let's check in with uh, self-proclaimed prophetess Kay Nash. I mean, she claims to be hearing from God directly, and uh, and so she released the word of the Lord for June of 2017 also. And my question is, is this going to jive? Is Will it be the same word uh, that we heard from uh, Jennifer LeClaire? Well, let's check in. And welcome back to another episode of Living Well. I'm Kay Nash, and I'm really excited to share the June prophetic word with you. I hope last month when we shared May's prophetic word that it was really an amazing month for you. I know we had a really good month over here, so I hope that came true to you, and you really walked in the blessing of the Lord last month. Right. You, apparently, you can't walk in God's blessing unless you know what the um, prophetic word of the Lord is for any given month. Okay, so Kay, I just want to let you know, uh, no, no pressure here, but we just heard from the senior editor of Charisma magazine that the prophetic word for June of 2017 is authorized. So what did the Holy Spirit tell you? This month is also going to be really good. I'm excited about this word. There's a lot to this. There's about three parts, so we're going to break it down. Um, the first part comes out of Psalms 105 and verses 24 and 27. So in verse 24, it says, He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. I feel like this is a season of increase of people. I specifically felt the Lord was saying, this is an increase of people. Right. So, yeah, that's weird. I mean, that's really weird because the senior editor of Charisma Magazine said that the word of the Lord for June is authorized. Yeah. Let's check in with uh, Russ Walden. Yeah, Russ Walden, uh, he's an Elijah List prophet. I mean... And uh, let's see if uh, he uh, can explain to us what the word of the Lord for June is. Here, here we go. This is the breakthrough word for June 2017. The Father says today, get ready. Get ready for visitation. For I will not leave you where you are, says the Father. Get get ready for visitation. Okay, now I'm really confused. Um, okay, so the word of the Lord for June is increase of people, according to Kay Nash, according to the senior editor of Charisma Magazine, who had demonic activity preventing her from getting this word out. But she, you know, and she persevered through it and was finally able to release it. The word for June is authorized, but then um, Russ Walden says, get ready for um, visitation. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm just a wee bit on the confused side. Um which which of these 
um, is the word of the Lord for 2017. How, how do we know, you know? Those prophecies that we have been uh, releasing and, and, and praying into on the morning Periscope broadcast, these, these prophecies that we've been uh, extending our faith to believe for, these prophecies are progressive. They're, 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 the revelations are progressive. I mean, we started with Dream Wild, and then we moved on to Ride the Wind. and then we- Oh, yeah. I, I remember the whole Ride the Wind thing. If you haven't heard that, look it up on uh, FightingForTheFaith.com. Goes up in a fierce attitude to combat the enemy. We, we we talked about the payback, and many of you saw payback in your life. We moved into the mega. Uh, we're launching a mega movement here at AwakeningBlaze.com. Just any day, the website will be up. But now today, the Lord is telling me to share with you, authorized. See, you are authorized. You have been given authority in the name of Jesus. I want to read to you and forgive Yeah, authority in the name of Jesus to do what exactly? Are you sure this is a word from God? Because none of the prophets seem to agree. I mean, and here's the thing. I actually, after we put the Museum of Idolatry uh, exhibit together for June's uh, prophetic words, you know, I actually post a link over at uh, Michael Brown's Ask Dr. Brown uh, Facebook and asked him straight up if he could give us some guidance. How do we go about figuring out which of these competing words of the Lord is the actual word of the Lord for June of 2017. None of these people who claim to be hearing from God agree with each other. So uh, how, how do we go about figuring this out? I mean, it, it's quite the Mysterium Tremendum, if you ask me. But by the way, talking about Mysterium Tremendum, um, let's check in with uh, Stranger Tweets. And now, Stranger Tweets with Ryan Strange. When Heaven's Economy opens over your life, sudden, explosive financial breakthrough comes forth! Hashtag Divine Shaken. Right, yeah, that was an actual uh, tweet that Ryan Lestrange sent out April 21st, 2017. Uh, Speaking of um, (laughs) Ryan Lestrange, um, this is close to fresh. This was uh, released yesterday, later in the day, of course. Um, He he seems to be um, not as um, like clockwork in his uh, postings of the Monday Word, but the Monday Word of the Lord is now out for this week, so... I know it's Tuesday, but see if you can work this into your, your day planner. I'm a stranger with the Monday word. My Monday word is a... Per- uh, I should warn you, you might want to grab your um, Fighting for the Faith Prophecy bingo card. Yeah, th- this one's chock full of the words that we've already put into our bingo card. Word. I really feel a stirring to speak prophetically to the ecclesia. The Lord said to me to prepare for a massive transformation. I believe this is a time and a season for us to step into explosive transformation. And I want to give you explosive transformation. I mean, it's not just transformation. Yeah, this this is explosive transformation. And, you know, I I can only think of things like you know, explosive diarrhea, you know, and things like that. I mean, that's transformative for sure. A prophetic picture. Reading the book of Ephesians 1, which is one of my favorite books, it's talking about Jesus, and it says in verse... Ephesians 1 is one of your favorite books. 
Yeah, go back if you're if you if you're not sure that's what he said. That is what he said. Twenty two. He hath put all things in subjection under his feet, yeah. and gave him as head over all things to the church or the Greek there's ecclesia to the legislative and called out ones. Said he gave him to be the head to the ecclesia, which is his body, uh, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And the Lord has been dealing with me about the radical and massive transformation that he is unlocking in this time. I believe he's inviting us, the people of God, into realms and dimensions of explosive transformation. Right, yeah. We're being invited into realms of of explosive transformation. Yeah. That's just so... um... I have no idea what it means. I, uh, that's a sentence. I mean, clearly. I mean, he's using nouns and verbs and stuff. Um, yeah, you've been invited into the realm of explosive transformation. I believe mantles of revelation are being released. Mantles of revelation are being released. By the way, again, you know, if you forgot to grab your uh, Fighting for the Faith Prophecy bingo card, you are missing a prime opportunity to get a bingo. I'm just saying, you know. I believe key revelations that open up dimensions and realms are being released. I believe... A- realms are... Uh, whole realms are being released. Wow. That, uh, man, I mean, how big are these realms? Can I, can I fit them in my pocket? Greater sense and awareness of the ecclesia, who we are as the called out ones, who we are as uh, those sons and daughters of the Most High God, uh, to be the fullness in the earth of the body of Christ. You know, it's interesting that he uses the word fullness because it speaks of... of right. I mean, it's just amazing he uses the word fullness. Yeah, I mean, it's so few people use that word anymore. It's just amazing how God used it, yeah. Total and complete manifestation of Jesus through the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the pastoral, the teaching, and all the other gift sets and functions that when the ecclesia arises and begins to move as the kingdom people that we are called to be, we become a full expression of Jesus. And I believe this is the crux of transformation. And the- Right. The, the, the whole crux of it is right here, man was speaking to me so strong prophetically about the the emerging apostles and prophets and he began to say to me that there are which by the way he claims to be an apostle check his twitter um, um, info about himself he claims to be an apostle Apostles and prophets that are being released in this hour, that I, even the Lord, am releasing them in this hour with kingdom mandates of transformation. For the enemy has tried to stifle them, to shut them down, to shut them up, even to block and break the alignments that I'm bringing between them. And with- Oh, no, they're blocking and breaking alignments. Oh, oh, man, that'll just put a damper on the explosive transformation realm thingy. I mean, oh, I, I can't believe that's happening people says the Lord but I am releasing them in this hour with kingdom plans and kingdom exploits mantled for transformational exploits right have you been mantled for transformational exploits well if you're part of the apostolic foundational thingy uh, the realms of the of the explosions will um yeah So uh, there you have it. I had no idea what he's saying, uh, but man, he he sure is you know saying it passionately. So I mean, that's all that matters is if you just shout it, if you shout nonsense, you know, and make it sound like you believe the nonsense and that it's somehow you know explosively transformative. 
you know, it'll just mess up your life. I'm just saying. So there. All right. We're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from Lana Vosser, as well as David Crank, and also during the break, brand new Max Holiday. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss him. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Come in. Hello, I'm here for my two o'clock appointment. Yes, Mrs. Staley, is it? That's me. Have a seat. So, what is it I can do for you today? I was hoping that I could upgrade my prayer account today. That is excellent. Let me just look up your information. It looks like you've been with us for about three years. That's right. And you're currently a member of a spiritual growth prayer package. Yes. Well, that's not good. What's not good? It says here that your account, even after three years of accumulated dream interest, is still classified at a micro-prayer level. What does that mean? It means that your current dream destiny balance is non-existent. It, it says that you've experienced zero spiritual growth. That's very disturbing. There must be some kind of mistake. Well, we can easily fix this. I'm just going to pull up your pre-appointment questionnaire. Okay. It says here that you pray at least four to six times a week. That's good. You tie 10% of your income to your local church. That's very good. You're happily married. You have two children and... Oh. What's oh? Well, in the career box, you put an A. Well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. So what you're saying is that you don't have a real job. It certainly feels like a real job to me. Okay, then. So what can we do to fix my account balance? For starters, we'll go over your current dream projections for the next fiscal church year. That'll give us a baseline to work from. So what are your big plans for this year? Well... I'm currently trying to potty train my two-year-old by summertime. Uh-huh. I'm trying to grow my own vegetables in my back garden. Okay. And my husband and I are also saving up money to fix our roof. Well, then, that explains a lot. What do you mean? It's painfully clear to me that you're simply not dreaming big enough. Not big enough? 
Well, the doy, potty training, vegetables, and roofs are chump change and are simply unworthy of a mega prayer account. Oh, so what do you suggest I do? Well, first things first, you're going to need to get a real career. It really doesn't matter as long as it's related with fame, fortune, or glory. Uh... Secondly, you need to rid yourself of these pathetic micro-prayers. God doesn't have time to listen to such puny little things. What would be your current dream car? Probably a minivan, so I could have enough room for the kids and groceries. I think I just threw it in my mouth a little bit. Okay, instead of a minivan... Uh, why not pray for a Maserati? I couldn't afford the insurance. That's what the career is for. See, you're so trapped by your own micro-dreams that you can't see your potential. I don't want a career. I love being a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> I can't believe what I'm hearing. No wonder you've experienced zero spiritual growth. I, I bet you're the type of person that prays for daily bread and, and for the forgiveness of their sins. Why, yes, actually. Get out of my office! And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. <laughs> to err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that every single person claiming to be a prophet or a prophetess is not. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us 
by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute an amount that you choose. That's right. You get to pick your rank in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us, by the way. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we are still under the the big umbrella of the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate, but let's kind of reset by doing this. So I was having this wedding, and and we we, we didn't have, we had Shabbat. Yeah, that's right. That's Heidi Baker and uh, Shaba. We're heading down to Glory City Church where uh, Catherine Runala holds court as the uh, in-house prophetess slash apostolate. And uh, we're going to be listening to this past Sunday's Sunday night's a sermon? Ser- sermon, or at least a portion of it, by a self-proclaimed prophetess, uh, well-known on the Elijah list, and now traveling the world, uh, Lana Vauzer. And we're going to note uh, what's missing from her message. See if you can spot it, too. But uh, here we go. Daniel Zelli has just introduced her, and she's now taken the stage. She's going to regale us with, well, listen in. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good, hey? Amen. He's so, so good. Let's get myself set up here. Oh, it's so good to be here. So, so good to be here. I just, uh, I love being home. I love the, I love traveling, but you know, you just get to that point where you're like, I've lived out of my suitcase for so long. It is so good to be home. Well, I'm in that place at the moment. I am so happy to be home. Uh, for those of you that are probably like, who is this girl? Um, I live here in, uh, in Queensland and uh, the Lord moved us here two years ago. And I said to Jesus, um, are you sure you've got the right place on the map? Because uh, it's quite humid in Queensland and Lana and humidity don't mix. And, uh, and the Lord said, go. Um, please, Jesus, he said, go. And so uh, we had moved here two years ago. And even though it has been a stretch for me to live in humidity, I absolutely love it. Amen. <laughs> I live under my air conditioning with my coffee and Jesus speaks to me. So it's awesome, right? 
Hallelujah. Okay. So tonight, um, I really want to share with you a message that the Lord gave me uh, through a dream uh, at the end. Notice what she didn't say. She didn't say, open up your Bibles to the book of uh, Second John or Romans or the Gospel of Matthew. No, no, no. She's going to share with them a message that Jesus gave her directly. Mm-hmm. Right. Of last year. One thing that you will learn um, about me in the next half an hour, if you don't know already, is that... Yeah, we're going to learn a lot about Lana Vazer. We're going to learn nothing about Jesus. I am a big, big dreamer. I, I actually put a Facebook status up this week and I said, I think I need a full-time dream interpreter. I think I need somebody in my life who I can bless financially that can help me interpret my dreams. Because every night, every couple of nights, I'm constantly dreaming and waking up the next morning going, I have absolutely no idea what that means, right? But every, don't we love the, the way that the Lord speaks? Every dream, every symbol, every creative way that he speaks is an invitation to him. You think every dream is God speaking to you? Really? It's an invitation. It's a journey to go with the Holy Spirit to find out what he's, what he's sharing. And so my life is very much characterized by that. I will have dreams. The Lord will give me highlight pictures. I have no idea what they are. And then I seek him. And it's this amazing, fun journey of seeing him bring pieces of a puzzle together. So this message I'm going to share with you tonight, I really believe is one of the main themes that God is highlighting right now in this season. And like I said, it was birth. So this is a theme that's being highlighted in this season. Right. Yeah. And uh, So this is birthed in the supernatural, you know. A dream, and it was really creative. This dream, when I woke up, I thought, I have no idea what you're talking about, Lord, and he took me on a journey. So I hope that this dream blesses you as much as it did me, because I've, I've preached this message quite a lot around the world, and I just think it's a fun way of the Lord communicating his heart for this season. So I have a dream at the end of last year, and the Lord says, uh, Jesus appears to me. In the yeah, notice, again, no Bible here. No effort to even preach the Bible. In fact, I'm looking at the podium. There is no Bible on the podium. And he says to me, Lana, there are new shoes for the new season. I thought, hallelujah, are they going to be nice red high heels? Like, isn't it bizarre what your brain thinks in the middle of a dream? I'm having an encounter with the Lord and my mind's going, are they going to be high heels or flats? Are they going to be flip-flops? And I can just imagine he's standing there going, okay, you ready? And uh, so he's standing there in this dream in front of me and he says, there's new shoes for the new season. My mind's going nuts and all of a sudden he hands me a pair of shoes. These are the shoes that he hands me in my dream. If you can't see them up the back, they are a pair of Nikes. He hands me the Nikes and he says, new shoes for the new season, and I woke up. No angel turned up, no major revelation, just these are the new shoes for the new season. And so I wake up and I'm thinking, what in the world am I going to do from this point on, Jesus? What is it that you're saying? And do you know what he says to me? Go and buy a pair of Nikes. Now, let me just invite you into my life for a second. 
I don't need Nikes. right? I I need to exercise more. So I probably do need Nikes, right? But I don't run. I don't, uh, Nikes is just not part of my, my, my fashion, right? It's just not, it's not in my world. And I cannot shake this feeling of the Lord saying to me, go and buy a pair of Nikes. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to buy a pair of Nikes. So I go to the local shop, wherever I was, I was traveling, and I go into the Nike store, and who would have thought you can get Nikes in every color of the rainbow? Like, amazing. And so I'm standing there, and the guy's saying to me, well, we've got these blue ones, and there's purple, and there's pink, and there's yellow. And I'm like, no, they actually won't do. And he said, but they're your... And the people there at Glory City feel like they're hearing a word from God. They're not hearing from God at all. The Bible is not even present on the podium. And I said, no, 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 no. You actually don't really understand. They need to be black and white. And he said, but I actually don't have them in your size. He's like, look, just take the green ones. And I'm trying not to say, listen, I had a dream. And Jesus spoke to me in a dream and he gave me black and white Nikes and they need to be these Nikes. And he's an amazing guy giving me his sales pitch. And I'm like, thank you, but no thanks. I can't take them. I'm walking out of the store and he yells out to me, hang on a sec. I think I have one box left in the back. Let me just run out the back and check. So he runs out the back and I'm sure you can anticipate the end of the story. He comes out, he grabs this shoebox He opens it up and he says, what about these? And the first thought in my head is, do not burst into tears, Lana. Keep a straight face. (laughs) They'll do. And uh, he hands me these pair of Nikes. I try them on. They're a perfect fit. I take them back home. I'm sitting in my lounge room with a cup of coffee because we know that the Lord loves to commune over coffee. Hallelujah. I got a witness in this room, right? <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm staring at these Nikes. And I'm, I've got worship music on and I'm pressing in. Come on, Lord, what is it? What is it? What is it? Nothing. For 15 minutes I sat there in silence. The Lord did not speak to me. And then he whispers, What have I taught you to do, Lana, when I highlight a symbol? Aha. Go and research what I have showed you. So part of my prophetic journey is if the Lord highlights a turkey, if he highlights Nike, if he highlights an owl, if he highlights shoelaces, whatever it is, I want to place value upon what he is what he's saying, even if I don't understand it. And part of my process is I will go and in the natural, I'll do all I can to educate myself on a symbol. So I jump online and I start looking at Nike. And the the false Greco-Roman God, Nike. Please please tell us, what was God highlighting from this idol, I-D-O-L? Historical context of the word Nike. Do you know what it means? Victory. And instantly the Lord speaks to me and he says to me, this is the season where I am awakening my people to the victory that is already theirs. The new shoes for the new season, you already have the shoes. It's just time to step into them. 
oh yes so i'm 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 in like i'm in heaven researching i'm writing i'm i'm taking notes and what do we know about nike their their slogan is what now i, I just want to make sure you understand this nike uh, in the ancient Greek religion, Nike is the goddess who personified victory. Yeah, so we, we got a problem here. So not only are we not hearing God's word, I mean, this is just utter nonsense. I, I don't know what this is, but how anybody who calls themselves a Christian can sit under this and say, oh, man, I'm being taught what God wants me to know right now. Oh. This this is this is definitely a, a now message from God. It, it it's unbelievable. They're not hearing God's word at all, and they're at church, and this is the sermon. Just do it. The Lord says to me in this season, there is fear and intimidation that's attempting to push my people back. To- now, a little bit of a no here. Did you catch those words? In, the Lord wants us to know in this season, by the way, this particular justification for modern day prophets and apostles is flat out, you know, you know, contradicted by Jesus. Mm-hmm. In uh, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, uh, when the disciples came together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And times or seasons, those are plural in the Greek. They are plural. So... Her claim that in this season, God wants you to know that Nike is the thing. That Oh, man, that's what he's highlighting. Because this is the season for that. Jesus said it is not for us to know the times of the seasons. It's not. And now you understand that what she really is. She's a false prophetess sent by the devil with the specific task of getting people out of of the written word of God. They are not hearing the word of God. She's there under a false pretense. She is claiming to be hearing directly from God when she has not. In fact, let me give you a a word from a real prophet, the prophet Ezekiel. Yeah, if you want to know what the prophets, what it sounds like to prophesy, I recommend reading Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Malachi. That's where you're going to find out what a real prophet sounds like. They are constantly calling people to repent of their idolatry. And listen to the words of the prophet Ezekiel, whom Jesus himself validated as a prophet. Ezekiel 13, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, and that's Ezekiel speaking. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel, who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. 
Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel, that it might stand in battle in the day of Yahweh. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say, declares the Lord when the Lord has not sent them, and yet they expect to him to fulfill their word. Have you not seen a false vision uttered a lying divination? Whenever you have said, declares the Lord, although I have not spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have uttered falsehood and seen lying visions, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. And this is talking about the true land of Israel, the one to come, the new earth. And you shall know that I am the Lord God, precisely because they have misled my people saying peace when there is no peace, because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There will be a deluge of rain, and you, O great hailstones, will fall, and a stormy wind break out. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what Lana Vazer is. She's one of those. She has not heard from God. She's not uttering words from the Lord. She is uttering lying lying nonsense. The source of this is her own wicked heart. And if she does not repent of her false prophecies, then the prophecy of Ezekiel will come true for her as well. Her name will not be enrolled among those who enter the real land when Jesus returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. Mark my words. Moving along. I've just closed my eyes again. Yeah, time for a David Crank update. I the dream weave a train. Trying to take away my worries of today. Tomorrow behind Ooh, dream weaver I believe you can get me through the night Ooh, dream weaver I believe we can reach the morning light Yeah, that's right. That's uh, Gary Wright and uh, Dreamweaver. So we're heading over to Faith Church St. Louis. We're going to be listening to, well, uh, apparently a word, yeah, that uh, a direct revelation given to uh, vision-casting leader David Crank. Yeah, I'll let him explain. Here we go. I'm excited about this weekend because this is not just a sermon that I have to preach. It's a word from God, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it. Not just a sermon. No, no, no. Oh, there's so much more than a sermon. This is a message that David Crank received directly from God. Yeah, that's what he's saying. 
and stream it to all of our churches today, Weldon, Sunset Hills, Earth City. First of all, it feels good to be preaching to thousands and thousands of people at one time. And those of you that have not been yet to Florida, these are your family. You need to come down here and meet these people so you can live with them when you get old. And it'd be, it'd be great. But God spoke to me on Tuesday. Today, of course, is Sunday. And, and on Tuesday in St. Louis, he spoke to me about, uh, about 555. He woke me up. Really? So God spoke to you about 555? Really? And looked at the clock. And he said, look at the clock. And I looked. And it was 555. Five means grace. Everybody shout, five means grace. Now, by the way, this is the, that's a very specific thing that he's doing right there, which is explicitly forbidden in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So there I was, I was walking down the street and, you know, I was in downtown Grand Forks and I looked over at the, the clock that's over there by the bank. Yeah. And as soon, and I heard the Lord say, look at the clock. And I looked at the clock and, oh, wouldn't you believe it? it, it the clock said five, five, five. Yeah. yeah. You know what that means, right? Yeah. Five, five, five. It means nothing. That's what it means. No joke. Um, on the way back from uh, the Issues Etc. conference, uh, you know, we we stopped at McDonald's for breakfast, and I ordered one of their breakfast sandwiches and a cup of coffee, and uh, and I had gone into you know because we were gassing up the truck and everything, and so I went in there and <laughs> literally, so I ordered one of those breakfast McGriddle thingies. I I don't even know what they're called anymore. I I, I we just so rarely ever eat out. Anyway, so I, I ordered it, and there was a little bit of a line, and they gave me a they gave me a receipt, and there was ginormous letters written at the top of the receipt, and you know what those letters uh, numbers were? It, it was three three three. Yep, my order was number three 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 at this McDonald's somewhere in the state of Missouri, and you know what it meant? It meant nothing. <laughs> it just meant nothing. Um, and uh, how do I know? Well, here's the, here's the reason why. Let me read to you a couple of passages of Scripture. Leviticus 19, 26. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you shall not interpret omens. Uh, Deuteronomy 18, verse 9, When you come into the land the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns a son or daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. Yeah, notice that in the interpretation of omens is listed as forbidden, kind of in the general category of, uh, of witchcraft. And that's what an omen is, you know, if you kind of think of it that way. Um, uh, an omen, according, you know, if you just want to know what the word itself means, um, it is an event regarded as a portent of either good or evil evil. It's a sign or a token or a forewarning. Um, it, it, it's, yeah. And so what, what David Crank is doing right here by saying, I was woken up to the number 555 and that somehow this has significant meaning. And this is a, this isn't just a sermon. No, 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 no. It's a direct revelation from God because, you know, 555. 
He's literally doing something the scriptures explicitly forbid, the interpretation of omens. And so when he spoke to me at 555, he looked at me as I was looking at the clock and he said, I want to let you know before you had a double anointing on you. And whatever I have, I'm telling you, you have it, right? The anointing fall, it comes down. And he said, now actually I want to put a triple anointing on you. There's a triple grace upon your life. And where you could before be ambidextrous and do this and that, now I'm going to allow you to do this, this, and that. Come on, somebody ought to shout amen. So rather than being ambidextrous, you're going to be tribidextrous? You're going to, you're going to grow a third arm? Uh-huh. So that was, that was Tuesday. Then later that day, he spoke to me to go over to an area in town in St. Louis called Ferguson. Some of you know that area. A lot of racial tension happened there. And I went to the spot where Michael Brown was actually gunned down, that spot in the road. And they actually kind of tore that up and put a new asphalt right there. So it's very obvious where it is. And as I stood there for a moment of silence and praying, I was thinking about how the devil tries to bring racism, socialism, terrorism, communism. But the church is about to rise up and have a triple grade. Somebody ought to help me to do something big for God. A, a triple grace. Uh, so we need to help you do something big for God. That doesn't make any sense. And on a side note, West Palm, you don't know it, but God began to speak to me that not only we got a church about 10 minutes from Ferguson now, 15, but God is speaking to me that we should build a church in the Ferguson Forson area and we're going to do it. Come on, somebody ought to give God praise today. We're going to do that. So at that same time, again, this isn't a sermon. This is a word. He gave me Joshua chapter 10. Joshua. So this isn't a sermon, it's a word from God. Chapter 10, verse 5, says this. Notice 5, we talk about 5, grace. It just happens to be 5. It happens to be the 10th chapter. And 5, two times, class is what? 10. <laughs> it's early for some people. People are like, 2? I don't know. Therefore, therefore, the five kings of the Amorites and the kings of Jerusalem and the kings of Hebron... They gathered themselves together and they went and encamped before Gibeah and they made war against it. They made war against it. I want to stop and tell you just this real quick. Some of you right now here and in all of our campuses, God is speaking to me that you are in warfare right now. What you're going through is not just natural. It has had supernatural help from hell to try to stop you back and keep you back from God's greater calling on your life. And so these five kings, everybody shout five kings. These five wicked kings came against the kingdom of God and God's people. But how many of y'all know that God has men and women in a place at certain times to do warfare? Now, the Bible said this, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So there is a war. There's a fight against... What are you doing just because you read out a portion of the warfare that took place when the children of Israel took the promised land? <laughs> It has nothing to do with anybody, you know, you claiming that God told you there's people who are going through warfare right now in their lives. This is nonsense. Ark and light against evil and good uh, against the, and some people say there's a fight against God and the devil. And yes and no, because the fight is real quick. There's all Jesus already went to hell, defeated the devil, gave us power. And now we are the ones that are in charge here. That's what he said. Whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on. Uh, that's talking about the office of the keys and the forgiveness of sins. What are you doing? She'll be loose in heaven. Can somebody help me today? And so God has a job for us to do. And that's why the enemy and the enemy has been fighting you so hard with the opposition. Because he does not want you to achieve the life of your dreams. Because you What? The devil's trying to keep me from achieving the life of my dreams. 
you are out of your mind. You are under a delusion. This is not biblical teaching. Start a church, you'll start a business, you'll rescue girls out of sex trafficking, you'll raise millions of dollars and start a, start a church in the same area where Michael Brown was shot down. I'm telling you that the hope of the world is found in this book, and there is a very, there is a distinct fight against dark and light, but when you find out who you are, you say, whatever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so when those five kings come against you, you can send them out. The Bible said when they come... There's, there's five kings coming against me who knew you know you one way but they flee seven ways because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world i can do all things through christ who strengthens me <laughs> yeah except for actually preach a text you don't seem to be capable of doing that yeah so there you have the interpreting of omens claiming of direct revelation and the spewing of utter narcissistic Nonsense. And the reason for all of this, well, it has everything to do with the fact that people are their own gods now. They listen to their inner voices, their inner me's, and think that they're hearing from God, when in reality they ain't hearing nothing from God. And pastors who are commanded explicitly in God's Word to preach the Word, that's the written Word, they're, they don't do that. No, 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 not at all. Nothing even remotely close to it. Far from it. So what do you think? All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Pyre Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Pyre Christian. Quick break when we come back and down the C3 Church as uh, one of the chiropractors in the San Diego area, Matt Hubbard, is going to be giving a sermon about vision casting. Yeah, stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today.
number two of Fighting for the Faith, Sermon Review Time. Let's do this right, though. Good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via C3 Church, San Diego. This is where Jurgen Matias holds court. And uh, we're going to be listening to a message titled Casting God's Vision. And uh, it's delivered by Matt Hubbard, a, a local San Diego chiropractor. Yeah, you know. I, apparently, you don't have to have any biblical qualifications anymore to preach in Christ's church. And uh, I guarantee you that this chiropractor will be a pain in the neck and will not properly handle God's word and teach what it actually says. He will not point us to Jesus Christ and him crucified for our sins, but instead will bake up all kinds of nonsense in order to basically toe the line with uh, the vision casting agenda of Jurgen Matthias. It's the best way I can describe it. Let me back off on the music. Without any further ado, here's chiropractor Matt Hubbard and Casting God's Vision. Here we go. Yeah, glad somebody is. Come on. You guys can all be seated. You know, I've, uh, man, I'm stoked. You know, it's, we got so many awesome preachers coming up in here. It's like, just give me a chance. You know, you know, it's like X Factor. If you don't do well enough during the week, you're out. This one made it through, people. No, it's it's uh, great. And then Pastor Jurgen, who was here for that word this morning? You know, the Holy Spirit's trying to get something to a church because he never got to his notes, but he was preaching my message. Crazy. It's true. It's true. There's no lies. Yeah, he stole it, did it better. So now, you know. Hello. No, it's going to be great. And um, that live worship thing is going to be powerful. But, you know, Samuel, Pastor Samuel, if you didn't know, travels the world preaching all over. So he's uh, seen it all, been around it all, and, you know, makes it back on Sunday just to be here, to be fed in this house. And I think him and his wife do amazing things. And I just see God opening doors for you, brother. And uh, not just around the world, but right here in San Diego. I see your book, Around the Country thousands and thousands of thousands if you didn't know he wrote that book following jesus uh just to help people that don't know what the next steps are to read in that book invest i got value out of that book and shoot i read the bible i was like man why does he make it read so easy thank you for putting that together that's a god thing see speaking of that you know god gave him a vision to write that book what if he didn't isn't that crazy you know, I saw that thing on Joel, and, and Joel, I got to tell you, man, it, 
So God gave him a vision to write that book. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. This is about vision casting, apparently. Okay. God doesn't take you to a place to tease you. You know, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. And, and see, you're out there playing in front of thousands of people, so you got a taste. But see, the, the devil's into deception. So he tries to give you something sweet, but then twist. Oh, I agree. The devil's into deception. We're going to hear a lot of deception in this sermon. And I see now that you have revelation between black and white. Now you can go back because how many know that worship needs to be in stadiums full just like that? See, you've already been there. You know how to get there. Many people that are in churches on worship teams have never even thought that big. They're stoked to fill out to a, you know, packed out Friday night. But see, that's not good enough for you because you've already seen the vision. You already know what it feels like. You know what it is, but now you're going to be on a platform with the worship team getting the good news of Jesus Christ out there because you've been there and you can lead people back through it. You know, it's hard to give vision to somebody if you haven't been there yourself. See, that's what's so amazing about our pastors. Yeah, Matt, where are you getting any of this from the Bible? Um, can you uh, exegete a text for us, please? You know, he's been to a place. He's been through a valley and come out on the other side. You know, even this campus was prophesied. You're going to go from one mountaintop to an even greater mountaintop. And God's going to shake what he's going to shake. And God's been shaking my wife and I. You know what? Stuff's falling off. But it makes us better, bigger, stronger. You know, this word is for a, a, our church tonight to go to a new season, a new area in life. Vision has been my wheelhouse, you know, since I was a little kid. I always had vision of awesome stuff. You know, most of it got me in trouble. But then how many know God's like, all right, over this way. Come on. Nope, not over there. You want to fall off the stage? Go for it. But he's leading to us to a place, and he's doing it for this house, C3 San Diego, all over the county. And so, you know, you're not going to be able to come here and sit back. You know, I grew up in church. It was, it was comfortable. Check off the box. I can tell you, you're going to get rattled a little bit. I'm glad to see some of you came back after getting thumped on this morning. Pastor, you're gonna, you know, he told you, if you got a religious spirit, here we go. That was me for six months. I think I had six months worth of them. But vision, man, I'm telling you, God's going to do something. I'll stay on track, I promise, tonight. Title of my message, which one did I end up with? You know, God keeps changing this stuff on me. So, taking me up. Sweet. That's the one I was hoping. I never know. He could have changed it tonight on the front row. I literally went with this one, you know, eye of the storm. And then, nope, God switched out on me. Thank God for Paul Churchward. Where is he? I mean... He's got to have something stored up for heaven for preachers like me that just start changing stuff on him. And he has so much grace about it. He's like, no problem, pastor. No problem. I mean, that is the heart of great leadership. So, you know, this is two parts because I'm preaching in a couple Sundays. So part one is casting vision so you can catch vision. So tonight we're going to cast it. A couple weeks we're going to catch it. Does that sound all right? Hope so. Or just don't come back for that part. I'll cast it. If you don't want to catch it, see you later. Go to Central. Just joking. Hey, listen, so let me tell you, it was interesting. Because when it comes to vision, you can be communicating something and other people not get it. You know, that's what's so important. And, and you know that we're all called to be leaders. You know, because 
leadership is there's not one word for leader in the Bible. So it means just we all are. No. If we're all leaders, then who are the followers? There is no text that says we're all called to be leaders. This guy's just making stuff up. He just, that's the expectation. We're leading somebody. The disciples, he said, follow me. They got saved, and he just put them to work. So when you come into this house, you're like, man, what's this whole grow class about? What's this whole thing serving? I just got here. Yeah, that's what the disciples did. We're just following their model. Said, follow me. Okay, I'll follow you. And next thing you know, they're doing stuff. They're building the house. So when you come in here, next thing you know, you're at a grow class you probably didn't even sign up for. Next thing you know, you're on a team high waving to people. Hey, awesome. I've never even met you. I've been here one week, but I'm on the high team. Come on. Any of those in here? That was me. I was high. Team. Yep. I should probably just get to my word. Anyways. But communication on leadership is, or on vision actually, is so key. You know, I saw this guy, he was telling me a story about he was on the side of the road, broke down on a car, and he was sitting there waiting for help. Finally, someone pulls up behind him and says, hey, man, do you, do you need a lift? He's like, actually, you got a pretty big Jeep. Why don't you just push me to the gas station? 30 miles an hour, we're fine on the freeway. He goes, yeah, no problem. So he's sitting there, sweet, jumps in his nice car, waiting for the guy to give him a touch. He looks behind him, there's nobody there. Then all of a sudden, he sees the Jeep coming at 30 miles an hour. As a chiropractor, that's not a good story. That's how I heard it. He ended up in my office with a whiplash. (laughs) Not too bright. Thanks, man. Hopefully the Holy Spirit won't leave. That was like a good rhythm there. But I'm just telling you, that guy. Hopefully the Holy Spirit won't leave. Yeah, the keyboard has quit playing, you know. What he just said in jest is really how they think. That's why we always point out that when the uh, emotional manipulation music begins, that that is a technique designed to create the false impression that God the Holy Spirit is now descending on the audience in order to help them make decisions. And so there he was, the opening of his sermon you know, the keyboardist was uh, playing gently in the background, and uh, as soon as he stopped, he went, whoa, I hope the Holy Spirit doesn't leave. Yeah, fascinating that he would say that, don't you think? We continue. Got this guy in the Jeep, backed up, started going 30 miles an hour to give him a push. Smashed his car if you missed the joke, but it wasn't a joke. That's called communicating vision. He wanted to go somewhere. He wanted this guy to push him at 30 miles an hour. The guy saw something else in mind. You think it's funny. It wasn't funny. Bad whiplash. You know, it reminded me of the time when um, I, my, it's actually when I was moving into my, uh, our second house, I was trying, I was working on, I was in the doorway and I had a fridge in the doorway stuck. And my neighbor walks by and he wanted to give me help, you know, give me a little hand here. Starts pushing on the thing. I was pushing on the thing. He thought I was trying to go out. I was trying to go in. So let me tell you, after five minutes, he goes, I think this is stuck. You're never going to get it in. I said, I'm trying to get it out. I didn't communicate my vision very effectively. Okay. These are all life lessons, people. I'm telling you, when you're trying to build the church, how many know that vision is important? How many know that we have one of the greatest pastors, Pastor Jurgen, in communicating vision? You know, you started, hey, this church is fresh, real, and powerful. 
then you find out what those words mean. But we all know it's fresh, real, and powerful. We all know that he had a vision since day one of one church, four locations. Now that vision has increased. One church, 16 locations. Don't get nervous, just get excited. So I love this quote by uh, P.K. Bernard. He said, a man without a vision is a man without a future. A man without a future will always return to his past. So how many know vision is important? Yes, uh, P.K. Bernard, one of the apostles. You know, the first title of my message is, you know, it's just the eye in the storm. You still got to have vision even when you're going through junk. You know, anybody else been through junk besides me? Yeah, okay, five of you, right on. And you guys are highly favored and blessed, the rest of you. You just walk around too stressed to be, wait, too blessed to be stressed? Too anointed to be disappointed? (laughs) You know, in uh, a proverb, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. That's Proverbs 29, 18. Yes, it is. Now notice, unlike many people who misquote this text, uh, Matt Hubbard, the chiropractor who's preaching. Um, yeah, it's weird, isn't that? It's just strange. Apparently, you know, you don't really need to be, I mean, experts in anything related to the Bible um, anymore just to be able to preach. Um, he quoted out the, the whole verse. Yet normally it's just uh, Proverbs 29, where there is no vision, the people perish. The end. But it's not a full stop. It's a comma. But blessed is he who keeps the Torah. Now, let me note here, exegetically, the important thing here. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish. Which prophetic vision are we looking for here? Answer, he who keeps the Torah, the written word of God. The ESV says where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Take a look at our world today. Uh, people are not listening to the word of God in Scripture, and they've cast off restraint, you know, in violently so. We continue. Bridge between the present and the future. You, you have to have vision. You know, it's, it's amazing how many people don't have vision. You know the number one thing that steals vision? Anybody? You have a biblical text that's going to give us the answer to this question? Q&A. It's usually an offense or pain. See, the devil can afflict you once, causing you some pain, and you lose your vision. And then what happens is we blame the devil for everything else the rest of our life, but it was just that one thing that caused us pain that we stayed in it. The devil was already on messing with somebody else. But we just haven't let that thing go, you know. My little girl and I were watching Beauty and the Beast, not the cartoon. We got real. We were the real one. I was singing, tears. I call it eye sweating to my daughter. You know, but this guy had a vision. You know what his vision was? He wanted to just dance and be around the most beautiful people. It was all about him. And then he came in and he got afflicted with a pain. But see, he stayed in that pain, got a victim mentality, and he just talked about that pain didn't see on the other side of that pain. He lost the vision for his life, thinking that no one could ever love him. So notice here what he has in common with Lana Vazer and uh, David Crank. Mm-hmm. He's not actually preaching Scripture. Uh, and people sitting there going, oh, wow, whoa, oh, my mind's blown. Oh. 
he's this is literally verbal diarrhea. You know, he, he needs to get something for this. But then opportunity came, and then guess what? That vision started to come back. And then he set that thing free because it started not being about him anymore. And see, tonight my whole message is about when you can get your vision back and sustain that vision and get other people around you to hold you accountable to that vision, God's going to get you through the other side. Because if that vision is big, there will be an upset a conflict, an offense, maybe a pain. Like they say. With- yeah, where is this taught in scripture again? Oh, yeah, it's not. You're a chiropractor, too. Without pain, there is no gain. And God's always there for you. You know, remind me of the movie I woke up. You know, I'm a pastor, a graduate from seminary even. And, uh, and so the idea here that, you know, would you want me to take care of your back? If you came to me, for chiropractic care, would you think I would be qualified to, you know, diagnose what's wrong with your back and begin administering, you know, chiropractic treatment in order to alleviate your pain? Would you trust me with that? If you say, well, yeah, then I would say you're a fool. None of you would trust me to give you medical care as a doctor or a chiropractor. Why? Are the people there at C3 listening to a man who's a chiropractor pretending to be a pastor? Started crying this morning watching The Shack. I needed to clear my mind. I shouldn't have done it. Yeah, You shouldn't have watched The Shack. It is chock full of false teaching and false doctrine. Talk about eye sweating. Hyperventilating eye sweating. It's like P90X of eye sweating. Here it was, the shack, this guy had a a pain in his life, couldn't see a vision for his future, lost focus, lost track, lost the purpose, lost his joy. See, if you have your vision, you keep your joy. So important that we never lose our vision. So what's it take? You know, I love this. um, I was thinking about it because I've had so many, I take care of so many military in my office. And it's amazing. I've taken care of young kids that were in high school, and then they go into the military. But I want to show you what vision does because it's a perception. We get a perspective when we get vision. See, how many of you love it when your mom yells at you? How about your friends when they just rip you one? Anybody love that? Nobody? Okay, one of you. Right on. That's good. That's good. See, You get these guys that were in high school, total punks. I mean, these are some of my patients. I love them. They're just young kids. Or they're off to college or going to UCSD or USD. And then one day they have this vision for their life that they want to go be a Navy SEAL. Let me tell you, they graduate one day. The next day they're in this buds class getting yelled at, telling them what their mom is, going crazy, shaving their head. They wouldn't let two weeks ago anyone talk to them like that. Now they're in buds taking it. Taking it, taking it. I'm not ringing that bell. Getting a beat down because they have a vision. See, we can tolerate some stuff in our life when we got a vision out in front of us. See, when you come into the church, God wants to get you something. He wants to show you a vision for your life because he has one for every one of your life. And then what happens is you might go through some stuff. But if your eyes are fixated on that vision, you will not be deterred. 
What changed with those kids that I saw them in high school? Now they're a Navy SEAL, the vision for their life. What changed with Pastor Jurgen? where surfing was his thing, and then he gets saved on a beach, and then he's getting called to San Diego years later. There was some suffering in New Zealand. There was some stuff he had to put up with, but the vision of seeing lives impacted got him through. And then God kept giving him more and kept giving him more. It's just not Pastor Jurgen. It's every one of you sitting here tonight. You know, and that's what I want to share with you because it's so important. Let me read this to you um, if I can find it. You know, in the second part of the Proverbs says, but happy you is it keeps the law. The law isn't just something God gave to Moses. It is also the restraint, the boundaries, the disciplines we develop around our life. What? The law of God is the restraints, boundaries, and disciplines we develop around our life. Where are you getting that from? How do you justify that from the Hebrew? Correct us through obstacles instead of around them. These obstacles become baptisms of fire that forge our character and can attain and maintain a life of greatness. See, what happens when we don't have vision, we just go down the path of least resistance. And then every time we have an obstacle in front of them, we go victim mentality. I've never met a victim mentality person with vision. But I've watched people with vision go through far worse and come out on the other side of it, forged to be something bigger. You know, in First Chronicles 22, 5 uh, through 12, I just want to read this. This is the life of David, and, I, and I've only mostly known the stories of David when he was uh, either taken down Goliath, either when he was the king and all the glorious things that came with that. Everyone knows the story about you know, here he was with Bathsheba, then he got redeemed. But actually, the, la- the life of King David was unbelievable. Unbelievable, the stuff he went through. But God gave him a vision and a plan for his life, not to be in battle all the time, but that's what he did. But he still got a vision for a temple that he'd never build. But God gave him the vision. And what's so amazing is, as leaders right here in this house, God's going to give you a vision. God's given Pastor Jurgen an a vision and a legacy that might and will live way beyond him with multiple campuses, C3s global, C3 Americas, strong churches that are fresh, real, and powerful. Matter of fact, while I was in worship, I, I, when Colin Higginbottom was talking about that in Vision Builders, he was sitting there going, what about supernatural wealth? What about supernatural wealth? And the next picture I got, no joke, was a Trader's Joe's with the stage in the back of it with a worship team full hours worshiping while people were shopping. What? <laughs> I miss Trader Joe's, by the way. Loved it when I was in California. Oh, man, that was a great place to shop. Um, but I can tell you this. <laughs> this is not a vision from God. Mm-hmm. You could sit there and say, oh, this is so mind-blowing, man. Could you imagine if, like, Trader Joe's, like, had the C3 praise band playing every day? While people were shopping, they had a stage up and everything. It, it, literally, if 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 I li- still lived in California, and I know there's Trader Joe's in other states, but if I lived in a state where there were a Trader Joe's and there was the C3 band with a stage and everything playing while I was trying to shop, I would never go to Trader Joe's again. Done. Done. 
This guy is literally spewing nonsense. And the people are, oh, wow. This is so amazing. No, it's not. This is stupid. Because someone got a vision. I can own a supermarket and have a worship team on instead of music playing through the whole thing the whole time. Could you imagine walking into Trader Joe's right over there? And you see our worship team on a stage in the back playing from 7 a.m. They just rotate out all day long. Do you think lives would be impacted? (laughs) Yeah, the poor employees of Trader Joe's would be out of a job after that particular store shut down and tanked because sales plummeted. What if every one of you got a vision for something that was so radical that we owned our businesses, but they were all giving God glory? I mean, that's from pretty radical vision. I saw it right here in worship today. But see, King David had this vision for the temple. And yet he told his son, God's not going to give it, let me be a part of it. He's not going to let me build it because I have blood on my hands. But I'm going to show you the way. And I'm going to read you what he says. When God provided David with the vision of Jerusalem temple, the king wanted to be personally instrumental in making the dream a reality. But the Lord told David that the job of building the temple would be given to his son Solomon, David's son and successor. See, he had lots of sons. Why Solomon? Why Solomon? And I'll tell you why in a minute. But David chose not to view himself as having been cut out of the action. Instead, he energetically undertook his new charge, that of instilling his vision and passion for the temple so Solomon could be enlisted and support the vision. See, Solomon didn't even care. Solomon was this young kid, but it took David's passion to lay out the vision. See, some people get... Notice, he's not actually reading any biblical text. I don't know what he's reading. But this isn't the biblical text. Division, but they don't communicate it. You know, it'd be hard for my wife and I to do what we want to do if I don't tell her what my vision is. You know, half the conflict would be like, what is my husband doing? He's off the rails again. You know, I have to communicate what I'm doing with Michaela for me to get away with what I'm trying to do. (laughs) You know, we got to get buy-in. You know, it's for people like Pastor Jurgen or myself or even some of you that I know in here. Man, you'd be tough to work for. Because sometimes your vision is so big, you're freaking people out. So how do we close the gap? How do we get the bridge and get people enrolled in that vision? It's because along the way, everybody plays the part. Do you know if Pastor Jurgen came to San Diego and didn't enroll any one of us, right now we wouldn't have three locations. How many pastors do we know? that never communicate a vision, and there's still the church of 50. The average church in America is under 100. It's amazing. And this is the best news, the good news right here. They could pack and fill stadiums. Maybe discipleship is done better qualitatively in a small church rather than a mega church like C3 San Diego where they're literally being taught Nothing. And yet, they're not articulating the vision of what's in this word. We need to be masters. Said the man who's not even teaching a biblical text correctly. Uh, This is, uh, man, irony alert. Masters of vision, of communication, not just getting it, but sharing it. And that's what King David, if you read his life, that's what he was so good at. He said, listen to me, my brothers and my people. 
I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. And I played plans to build it. But God said to me, you are to build a house not for, for my name because you are a warrior and have shed blood. Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my courts. And for I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if, if he is unserving and carrying out my commands and laws as being done at this time. He said, if. It wasn't a guarantee that Solomon would catch that vision. So David said, purposed in his heart, my son will catch the vision. I will show him the way. I will raise money. I'll show him exactly. He described... Now notice, vision casting is not mentioned once in this text. Yet, the... uh, the chiropractor, Matt Hubbard, thinks that this is a vision-casting text when it's not. What that temple would look like to a T so his son Solomon would miss nothing. And then he did it. So now I charge you in the sight of all of Israel and the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of the God, be, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. God gave David the command, and then David shared the vision, and everyone else followed. It's a powerful thing. I know so many people that they're more worried about followers than they are about developing leaders. Another important thing here, this is a descriptive text, not a prescription. You know, Nowhere do you see, therefore, because you know, David passed on the building of the temple, the vision he had for building the temple to his son Solomon. Therefore, you need to cast vision yourself. This is a twisting of God's word, narcissistically so. I'm telling you, the key thing is how do we develop? And it comes through communicating your vision effectively. So you can't impart what you don't possess. I know so many people that are internet successes that say, you know, I'm a million dollar, billion dollar thing. I'm like, bro, I was just that. You just asked me for 20 bucks last week. You're broke. But then I see another guy walking saying, I'm crushing. I'm slaying this thing right now. We're doing it. And he's in an apartment complex. I'm like, bro, go down to symbolic, get in front of a Lambo and start saying that doesn't have to be yours, but inspire me. (laughs) You know, I'm just saying there's so many people out there that are living incongruent. How can I talk about driving a car and teach someone to drive a car if I don't even have a license or I've never driven a car? If you don't possess it, how are you going to share what to do with somebody else? You can be a great coach. You can be, that, that, you could be a coach of something you're passionate about and you could go learn it. But if you've never, ever accumulated wealth or money or have no clue how, but you read about it, I hung out with Eddie Hillard and I heard about it. So now I'm going to be like, I can monetize this. Everybody follow me live tonight on my web seminar. I'm interviewing Eddie Hillard for the five tips on how to be successful and wealthy like me. From my one bedroom apartment that my mother pays for. But one day, you know, listen, I was a big believer. Fake it till you make it. You know, because I spoke life. I spoke those things. I didn't have it. But I was speaking it as though they were and they are. And I walked into that. That's different than me trying to put on this facade 
and trying to trick people for monetary gain. There's a difference. The difference is, listen, I knew I was going to be a great chiropractor before I was one, but I went and hung out with the greats. I was passionate about it. So even though I was, I would tell people, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. It's my first. How many great exegetes did you hang out with before you decided that you should be preaching in Christ's church? Month. But I'm mentoring with the number one guy. So if I don't know something, I'll go talk to him and I'll be right back. Give me two minutes. You know, I was straight up with him. And people love that I would be that real. But then one day, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And you learn and you glean those things and you walk them out. But you've got to get passionate about it. You've got to walk in it. You've got to impart something that you have. I cannot impart something that I don't have. I'll be like, someone asked me a question the other day. I'm like, you better go talk to my wife. No idea what you're talking about. I would lead you the total wrong way. It's like when Pastor Phil comes. He says, do not come to me for pastoral care. I love it. He's so real. I'm sitting on the front row going, man, I got to get around him. I want him to part that gift. I do not have the grace for pastoral care. I'm looking at him like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he just said that. But he does know what he's really good at. Imparting vision. He's the faith man. He will build faith in you like you've never seen. And then you'll go find that thing. So... Stay in your lane and you won't get burned out. See, burnout comes when people lose vision. I, I, I've never met somebody. I mean, I got a lot going on. I'm never burned out. Hey, I was Sean Walker. That guy's never been burned out. Well, I mean, I just met him, but he gets me fired up. You know, you get around people that are contagious and you want to do more. You want to be more. We all have it in us. It's just how much stuff has been piled on. Guilt, shame. Pain, offense, whatever it is, we got to rip it off. Must be imparted in a formal and informal ways. See, David laid out formally with plans, designs. He laid out formally what that thing was going to look like. And then he did it informally, telling him, you're my son. This is why I'm passionate about it. This is God. This is the Ark of the Covenant. He got passionate, so that's informal. But the formal was he laid out the plans for his boy. So his boy, he's like... I see it, Dad. I'm going to do it. I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to honor our God. It's going to be more incredible than you've ever seen. And he fulfilled that because of his dad's passion for the house of the Lord. You know, there's an old story about three bricklayers. It's one of my favorites. It illustrates, you know, kind of what this looks like. You know, this guy walked up to the first bricklayer, and he said, um, Hey, what are you doing? What's it look like I'm doing? He said all sarcastically. And he says, I don't know. That's why I asked you. Well, I'm laying bricks. Touchy subject. Walked on to the next guy working on the same job. Hey, what are you doing? He said, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm building a wall. Okay. Went to the third guy. The man asked the next guy on the wall, what are you doing? He said, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm building the house of God. And I want to ask you, who do you think is most passionate about his job? They have guys that's ticked off about putting a brick. The guy that's building the wall, maybe just plugging in a nine to five. Or the guy that's building the house of God. They were all three doing the same thing. They just all three had a different perspective on what their role is. You know, I was learning how to get my captain's license. I'll never forget this. I wanted to race these little 22-foot sailboats because I thought it looked crazy. And I saw this guy get nailed by the big beam and get thrown off the boat. I'm like, that looks like an adrenaline rush. I want to learn. And uh, we were sitting there talking and... We were just talking, and he was so passionate about sailing, I started to think he was a little cuckoo. I'm like, man. But then when he invited me over to his house, 
trophies, pictures, everything, uh, sailboats. And I saw a picture of him and his dad fishing on a boat. And his dad died of a heart attack at a young age. And he never got to fulfill his destiny of sailing from Seattle all the way to Cabo with his dad. That was going to be there. That's his destiny to, to sail to, from Seattle to Cabo. I had no idea that that would be a destiny that God would give somebody. So you'll notice he's just rattling off his own theology, his own ideas. They're not anchored in a proper understanding or teaching or exegesis of any biblical text. And he keeps making all of these assertions, and everyone, like I've pointed out already, is going, wow, whoa, woo. And none of the things he's saying are actually sound biblical or doctrines taught in Christ's church through the centuries, through the millennia. This is a new teaching altogether. And he was just, I could tell he was into boats. He was into everything. He could tell me everything about sailing. He was so passionate. It got me enrolled in it. And he said, if you want to build a great ship, you can go buy and sell the most talented craftsmen, or you can find a person who loves the sea. Who do you want to hire to build your boat? <sighs> Rock my world. See, imparting God's vision to a team around us is the single most factor to see the mission accomplished. That's why I love Pastor Jurgen. He sees stuff in all of us and he'll unlock it. He can speak life into a situation. He'll see it. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to him. And guess what? I see people around us, myself included, that start to pick that up because we're around them. We get in part of that. My prophetic gift, I didn't even know I had. I used to think, oh, I just kind of know stuff about people when I was young and lost. But then, Pastor, you're going to unlock that. And I just get downloads all the time. For you in this church, for my... You get downloads all the time from, from at the heavenly servers? How does that work exactly? Self, for my family, for my little girl, for my little boy. God's already revealing things about my boy that I never thought. He's two and a half. And I'm already seeing his picture laid out. Makes you get on a knee and want to pray for his spouse. For my little daughter's spouse. About the future of what's going to happen in this church. Taking ground in Escondido. Buying buildings. Like, I didn't even have a vision, you know, to be a pastor until one day I did. Yeah, where'd you go to seminary and learn exegesis and stuff? I'd like to know. What the heck? You never know what's got... If you would have showed me that when I just got saved, I'd have been like, oh, I got the wrong coffee at this uh, cafe. No wonder they're giving us free coffee as a visitor. I'm going to be a pastor. Oh, man. So then David goes on. I love this. I, I want to just read this one part right out of here. And, and David gave to his son Solomon the plans for the temple, its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, and the place of atonement. He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in King David and in his mind for the courts of the temple, for the Lord and all the surrounding rooms, for the treasuries and the dedicated things. He also gave him the plan for the chariot, the chariot, that is the cherubim of gold that spread their wings and, and would shelter the ark of the covenant of the Lord. He gave him to the details. I think it's so powerful. God's into the details. He's going to put friendships in your life so that they can hold us accountable because God is putting stuff. Maybe some of you are going to write a book. Maybe some of you are going to take the marketplace. Maybe some of you are going to be worshipers. Maybe some of you are just want to figure out because you don't know what that vision even looks like. But God didn't bring you to the house of God for you not to get it. 
You know, I love that story of Billy Graham. And it was him, you know, as a young kid, and they were taking a tour of John Wesley's house. And everybody got on the back on the bus after the tour, except one person, and it was Billy Graham. It's because they got to one room in that house, and when they were saying, yeah, this is John Wesley's uh, private bedroom. And what had happened is uh, they went around, they saw where the, cor- uh, the carpet was worn out, two spots. And Billy Graham says, God, what is, or not God, what is that? It, what is this to the tour guide? He said, oh, that's where John Wesley got down on his knees and prayed every night for revival. And Billy Graham's like, wow, that's powerful. But then guess what? They did the count. They were missing one kid. And they realized it was Billy Graham. You know where they found him? Back in that room on his knees saying, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And the truth is he got the concept. If you could do it for one man that's no longer living, can you do it again? And Billy Graham can become one of the greatest evangelists of all time. God gave him that vision right there in that house. But he's doing it right here in this house. He's bringing stuff back to life. He's bringing marriages back to life. Young people in on a Friday night getting their bell rung. You know, I love it. You know, it's like I had a friend come one time. He goes, man, it's a little radical on a 5 o'clock. You really think they're all that hyped up? I'm like, how passionate are you? I saw you a couple weeks ago having a couple beers yelling at the Chargers. And they're not even around anymore. Why don't you get a little passionate about God and see what he does? It's amazing. I guarantee some people are getting unlocked coming down to the altar. I met a, a gentleman earlier that said the only reason I'm here is because my son here, and I was just coming to check this place out. Make sure. All these profundities are spinning out of his head, and they're all law. Why don't you, 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 la, 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 la. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yet the standard that he's setting up that apparently we all should be obeying isn't even a biblical command right because i've never seen my kids so on fire and he wasn't complaining he just wanted to make sure he's like there's no way i know my kid but something got unlocked on his kid so he came to be a part of it i love it he said, David said to Solomon, he left him with this in 2 Kings 6, 16 through 17. Solomon, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you for all the work and the service of the temple until God tells you it is finished. The divisions of the priests and the Levites are ready for the work of the temple of God. And every willing man skilled in any craft will help you with all the work. The officials and all the people will obey your every command. Did his dad set him up or what? See, we, you got to understand that this is a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a church that believed in the word of God, but they never preached the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd be remiss to tell you, if, man, you haven't seen that power, witnessed witness that power. Come down to the altar tonight. Let someone cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God, the Holy Spirit, is now descending on the audience to get them to make decisions, apparently. And this has something to do with embracing God's given vision to uh, Jürgen Matthias and, and by extension, you know, embracing some kind of vision that they need to 
you know, receive and cast for their own life or whatever. You know, maybe sailing from Seattle to Cabo San Lucas. On the ministry team, pray for pray for you. Know what that power is. To operate in the gifts, prophetic words, laying on the hands to see your friends get healed, get unlocked. That's why I love what Colin was saying about get unlocked. If you know that there's something on the inside of you that dream that you want to be, you're young, but you got some of this thing, I want to own my own business one day. Then don't let anybody tell you. If your father put it on the inside of you, nobody can take it out of you. And sometimes we got to say cancel. Get behind me, Susan. Whatever it is. There's so many people because they lost their vision, they want to make sure they rip yours off. Instead, why don't you be strong enough, bold enough to help them get their vision back? Because that's what it is. There's hurt people and hurt people do hurtful things. I'm going through stuff, but you know what? What about sin? You make it sound like hurt people do hurtful things. Well, what about sinners do sinful things? And by the way, the solution for sin is repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Instead of getting bitter, I want to get better. I want to pray for them. I want to lift them up, encourage them. These are just nonsensical platitudes. It sounds like self-help stuff. Did you read this in Stuart Smalley's um, books? See, we're called to be kingdom builders. This is Vision Builders Month. When we play an active role in the re- realization of what God has for us, unlocks us. Through mentoring relationships, we enlist others in this grand scheme of redemption that God planned out before the foundations of the world were ever set. So I love that our pastor knew it would have been easy for him to stay in Australia. Easy, because he had profile. But God said, I didn't, I didn't want you to stay here. I don't, it's not your profile you're going to build the house. It's my profile that's going to build the house. Come on. So how do we get vision? If you're going to take notes or drop a tweet for later. Yeah, so how, how exactly do you get vision now that the Holy Spirit has returned thanks to the keyboardist? There's three things I want to drop you right here. There's different types of vision. We need all three. We need foresight. We need insight. And we need oversight. Yeah, which biblical text teaches these three things? True godly vision comes from foresight, insight, and oversight, but it comes from his sight. So let me break it down. Foresight is like looking through a telescope. This outlook allows us to know what is ahead and it connects us to our future. Foresight is the element of vision that helps us make sense and gives us the motivation that we talked about. Why would Solomon keep going? Do you think it was easy? Why would someone in Buds keep going? Do you think it's easy? They had foresight looking in the future of what would be when they got the trident on their chest. That's foresight. But Jesus is who unveils foresight. For godly kingdom purposes, for kingdom building, Jesus gives you foresight. Insight is like viewing life through a microscope which we need. We need to see it, and then we need to inspect it. That's insight. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. Be still and know that I am God. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you tonight. 
get insight. Are you going to buy this house or that house? Are you going to quit this job to move into this job? Are you going to date this person or marry that person? This is where insight in the Holy Spirit. And then you need oversight. This puts life into context. I mean, I know a lot of people that have one thing. They'll have foresight, but no insight. They'll have foresight, but no oversight. I'm going to move to this part of the country, but leave church. My foundation, my things. They went, but they weren't sent. That's why we have oversight. That's why we need mentors. That's why we need great friends that are in the house of God. Again, how are you getting this from the story of Solomon and David in the temple? Yeah, you're not. These are a bunch of man-made doctrines being fed to these people as if they're somehow, well, telling us about God. But how many of us are getting advice from people that have no idea what your core values are? You need good oversight. Why are we asking everyone's opinion? Let's get God's opinion. Let's get his insight. And let's check with godly mentors in our life or pastors in our life for oversight. This is a perspective that only we receive from the view that helps us understand where we are with respect to where everything else is. So important. I love this story. There is this guy named Steve. Is Steve in the Bible? Which biblical story is this again? He always dreamed of owning his own business. But more than that, Steve truly believed in his dream to put affordable computers in every home and office. He really believed it would revolutionize the world, so he took the plunge and started his own company. The only problem was he only knew computers. He wasn't a businessman. He needed the best CEO he could get. So he met John Scully, CEO of Pepsi-Cola. Really? So now we're talking about the history of Apple as if somehow it's supposed to teach us something in regards to Christian doctrine and sanctification. Right. Somehow Steve had to convince Scully to leave his prominent position at one of the most prestigious and profitable companies in the world and run Steve's fledgling startup company. Somehow, someway, Steve managed to schedule a meeting with this guy he had never met, John Scully. Mr. Scully listened patiently to the young man's presentation, even allowed Steve to schedule another meeting. Finally, after several appointments, Scully introduced Steve to reality. You'd have to give me a million-dollar salary, a million-dollar signing bonus, and a million-dollar severance package. Steve was shocked. He couldn't afford anything close to those figures. Still, his boldness and his passion and his vision blurted the words out of his mouth. You got it. Even if I had to pay for it out of my own pocket. Scully didn't become CEO of a multinational corporation by being an idiot. He knew the bluff when he heard one. Steve, I'd love to be an advisor, but I don't think I can come. Steve dropped his head, took a long breath and issued a challenge that pierced Scully to the core. Looking at him right in the eye, Steve simply asked, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water, or do you want a chance to change the world? John Scully resigned from Pepsi-Cola and took Steve Jobs up on his offer and led the fledgling company called Apple, and together they changed the world. That's right out of memoirs of Steve Jobs. 
When I read that, I'm like, I'm preaching that. Yeah, yet the job of a pastor is to preach the word. Because he had a vision for a computer in every house. How much more so do we need to see God? Salvation, redemption, power in every house. And yet you're not even preaching Christ or his word at all. Yeah, fascinating. Thank you, Steve, for helping that out so we can Google Jesus and John 3.16. But Yeah, Google it because you're not going to hear it at C3. I will tell you that every one of us can preach the gospel and sometimes we can use words. Yeah, actually, there's only one way to preach the gospel, and that is with words. Yeah, boy, you show that you're just not qualified to be a pastor. You should go back to chiropractic care and uh, focus on that. Just by what you're living, are you living out your vision? Really, I preach the gospel by living out my vision, says no biblical text anywhere. You know, God placed in each one of us a yearning for significance, but yet few of us actually devote our lives to great endeavors. The message of Christianity tells us, you know, we can participate in something, but I'll tell you, Christianity can stretch you. Jesus can stretch you. If you catch a hold of that passion, let the God vision get on the inside of you. By passing on the vision of God to the next generation as people, we can have a hand in eternity. What did that sentence even mean? We're supposed to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Jesus actually told us to do that. Check uh, Luke chapter 24 if you're not sure. You know, if Yergs didn't come to San Diego, I'd be nervous. I'm not giving it to Yergs. I knew Jesus. But my life was a mess. I would debate with anybody I was going to heaven. But I had lost my way. And it took a pastor that was real not just on Sundays, but Monday through Sunday, that I looked for flaws. I was looking because I had that religious spirit, but he unlocked something. He played a hand in my eternal salvation that can affect thousands and thousands of thousands, that we all have keys to unlock people. I see it all the time, people walking around with keys in a dream. I see prophetic words on people like keychains with thousand keys, and God always shows me they have keys to unlock other people. You could never get to their access of who they influence, but they got the keys on their belt, and then they can unlock dreams and visions to point them to who their creator is. Yeah, you need to point them to their savior and tell them that Christ has bled and died for their sins and call them to repent and to be forgiven. You know, the final steps of seeing your mission accomplished is establishing your steps. This is what did it for me. Proverbs said, the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That's in Proverbs 16, 9. Psalm says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. That's Psalms 37, 23, and 24. It's so important to hear these things. See, we take steps every day, day in and day out, day in and day out. Step by step, moment by moment, hour by hour, we're making decisions. But I'm wondering, is it a God vision or is it your vision? See, Beauty and the Beast, it was his vision. 
until he got it stripped. And then he found out who he was. And he got redeemed. And he was able to make it right. But that's in the movies, people. I was asked... You know, Beauty and the Beast is a uh, Christian allegory of sin and repentance and forgiveness and restoration. Those are the themes of the story itself. Yeah, yeah but uh, that's all kind of lost here on our chiropractor. You know, young people, when I mentor them, is that a vision that's birthed by God? Or is that something you read about? Is that someone else's dream that you thought was cool? But what God, what dream did God give you? And here's how I know. See, when your vision is honestly birthed by God himself, he will direct your steps. He will open the doors that no one else can open. And here's the revelation that I had. The most important thing to remember about your steps is that they should be found somewhere in your mission. So what's a mission? What are you talking about? Which biblical text teaches this? Let's go back through your iPhone calendar. Let's go to your Google calendar. Let's go to whatever your outlook, whatever it may be. Let's look at your calendar. You show me the previous month. And can I tell your vision is in it? What does your month look like on the last month? Will I see your mission? See, years ago, my wife can show you this. My calendar was packed the entire year. But you know what my mission was? Chiropractic. I was going to take over the association. I was going to turn it around. I was going to do all that. It was all about chiropractic. God wasn't anywhere in it. If you look at my calendar now, it's about building the house of God. It's about building people. It's about going out to dinner. It's about sewing in. It's amazing. I can look. So how exactly do you build the house of God without the word of God? Rightly taught. Look at my calendar and find where my vision and my purpose of my heart is. So we do, we look at it like this. Does it look like they are directly attached to your mission? If not, we have two decisions. We can either redefine your mission or redirect your steps. That's it. We're sitting here tonight. Maybe you don't know what your vision is. You don't know what your mission is. We can figure it out right here. And one drop from heaven can unlock vision. Or if you know what your vision is, you know what your mission is, it's time to redirect our steps. Get back on God's true north. So important. You know why it's important? Because history's at stake. History's at stake. I have two little kids and maybe, hopefully another one. Or two. I don't want to limit myself. I won't be around forever. They're going to outlive me. But I'm telling you. You know, the joke is early to bed, early to rise, work like H-double-L and advertise. That's what it used to be. But I'm telling you now, it's I got a purpose for a hedge of protection around my kids, that they get the God dreams, the God purpose. I want to be like King David to my little girl. Yet scripture is clear that we are saved by grace through faith. This is not our own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Uh Uh-huh. This vision stuff gets in the way of the good works that Christ has called us to. To show her what the vision is, and I'm going to help her pave the way. To my little boy, Maverick. I didn't name him Maverick. He's a rebel for the kingdom. That's why I named him Maverick. 
not Top Gun people. My wife never even saw Top Gun. She goes, why is everyone sending you Tom Cruise pictures? I'm like, babe, freaking Maverick and Top Gun. She goes, what's that? Oh, my Lord, I, mar- I married you, and you don't know what Top Gun is? So guess what we did three days after Maverick was born? We watched that volleyball scene over and over again. I don't know why. But I'm telling you, as I wrap it tonight, you know, if I could have every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't know Jesus, he is the history maker. It's his story that we're going to get in every home, on every part of this globe. There's a mission, people. And you can play a small part or a big part, but no matter what, you're playing a part. But if you don't know Jesus, let's start there. And it's simple. It's not. Yeah, you you gonna want them to start by knowing Jesus, yet you haven't told them a thing about Jesus. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a radical thing. It's just saying, God, I want to know you. I don't know you. Yeah, why don't you introduce them to Jesus by you know exegeting some of the gospels? Yeah, like pick like Matthew or John and work through passages and introduce them to Jesus and what he's done for them. He did create you. You know, I have a scientific background, a scientific mind. I've debated with the best. At the end of the day, I say, you know what? Just test them. I have multiple people call me and tell me, quit praying for me. Quit praying for me. And then they start to tell me because God starts showing up in a real tangible way in their life. And you're here tonight. And you're not really sure. You don't even not really sure if you want to raise your hand to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's fine. But I encourage you. And there's the Pelagian heresy in action. Don't leave here without saying, God, if you're real, show yourself real. I challenge you to challenge God and see he will show up. He's been chasing you. You might have come here because someone drug you here. Maybe someone wouldn't go out on a date with you like it was with my wife unless you showed up at church. There is no God accident on why you're here. So if that's you, you know you want to encounter Jesus for the first time tonight or rededicate your life tonight. I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray for you. It's going to be super simple. You want to know who your Savior is right over here. I see your hand, young man. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Come on. Total manipulation. Did you work for Amway? Make a bold stand for Jesus tonight. Come on. Right up there, sir. I see your hand. Once you raise your hand, you can put it down. Done. Yeah, we're at the end of this train wreck. Yeah, given by a chiropractor who had a vision from God to become a pastor, but clearly didn't actually follow the biblical steps to become one. You know, study, show yourself approved as a workman who need not blush with embarrassment, who can rightly divide the word of truth. Yeah, he's completely unskilled and unqualified to be teaching God's word because he has no clue that it's about Christ. And he's inventing a doctrine, the doctrine of vision casting, and inserting it into the biblical text in places where it is not, because there is no text that teaches vision casting. Wow. Yeah. 
How fascinating to me that evangelicals have departed from the preaching and teaching and listening to God's word at all and have surrounded themselves with people who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. Mm-hmm. Scripture told us that it would be this way. So what would you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you. In the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ is vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.